happy girl. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another podcast of Women at the Well Ministries, where we believe that all of us have to come to Jesus like the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Our highest priority is making God real in your life. Whether you are listening in our app, in your favorite podcasting app, or on our website at watwm.org, we invite you to sit down with us as we look to the scriptures to learn more about God and to strengthen your daily walk with Jesus Christ. It would seem that since of all of God's creations, we were the ones he chose to create in his image, that we would be the ones most like him and the ones most obedient. But time and time again, we see this isn't the case. The winds and the waves are fully under the Lord's commands. The sparrows completely rely upon him for their provisions, and even plants turn towards the light for their growth. But humans often ignore the splendor, power, and knowledge of God and frequently choose to abandon God's plan for their lives. Join us in this podcast as Kim Miller of Woman at the Well Ministries takes us on a journey through the scriptures, teaching us valuable lessons to be learned from God's creations as they show us full trust in God and complete obedience to his word. These lessons teach us to follow God, obey God, and to love him completely. Hello, and thank you for joining us in this podcast of Woman at the Well Ministries. What an absolute pleasure it is to just stop and think about all that God has created and how everything he has created can teach us how we should be or how we shouldn't be. And what's interesting to me is that we are supposedly the highest level of his creation. We have a soul that he sent his son to die for, he created us in his image, according to Genesis 1.27. And he continually pours his love out upon us. Yet, the angels who praise him day and night can't sing the song that we can sing, which is, I have been redeemed. I once was lost, but now I'm found. The birds, they have no soul. And they don't have the ability to reason and have rational thought like we do and they are not created in his image yet they have full trust upon him and then we have the winds which god chooses to send and he allows them to just brush across our face so that we feel the coolness of the day and we are taught at that moment who he is and we understand that he gives us that fresh breath of cool, crisp air, especially in an autumn night, that pushes our hair back and brushes across our face. And it reminds us that though we can't see him with our natural eyes, that he is there. And he gives us the waves which move in and out And this amazing rhythm that pushes that wave to the very end. And then when God says stop, it stops. 
and then it quickly recedes back into the ocean. And it does this over and over and over again. But we, who were created in his image, have problems with obedience. And the Bible tells us that obedience is better than sacrifice. But we have a fleshly nature, one in which we tend to want to do things our way. We somehow think we know what's best. We will give a lot of lip service, especially Christians, to the fact that God is all-knowing and he's all-powerful and he has a plan for me to prosper me and to give me a hope. But when push comes to shove and we know what God is asking us to do, we have to choose to do it. But it is innate. It is the default for the winds and the waves and the fowls of the air. So today we're going to take a little look through the scriptures, and talk about the things that we could learn from much lesser creations than man, which he breathed air into our nostrils, who daily watches over us, who gave his son to die for us, and Jesus who laid his life down for us. We're going to learn some things throughout scripture that talks about the creations that he has made and and how they have learned to be obedient. Or actually, they just were obedient. And maybe as we walk away from this time together, we will realize exactly what Mark 12, 30 says, when it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. See, it's one thing to say that we love the Lord, but it's a completely other thing to truly do it in such a way that we remember when he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And this commandment, is the one in which all things are going to be predicated. Because it says that we should love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. That means there shouldn't be any other gods in front of us. With all thy soul, our very depths of our being cries out to have a personal, secure relationship with the Lord. With all thy mind, that means we have surrendered our will. We have acknowledged that he does know best. And with all thy strength, that means we're putting forth all of our efforts and all of our energy to serve the Lord, to be a light in this dark world. In other words, we are totally surrendered. As we begin to think about why we would do that, in relation to who we are, not only in Christ Jesus, but to Christ Jesus, those of us who have given our hearts and our minds and our lives over to him, we are new creatures. We are born again, and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And he has said that he personally breathed life into man. God has. 
And so when we begin to look at Psalm 139, 14, it says, I will praise thee for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. That, my friend, is why we can live out Mark 12, 30, which tells us that we should love the Lord with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. That also tells us why we are going to praise him, why we have such a devotion to the Lord is because he has fearfully and wonderfully made us. And Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us that he has a plan for us to give us a hope, to prosper us, and a future, an expected end. We are perfectly positioned as Beings created in his image to reflect the light that he puts inside of us and to live the abundant life that he promises us in John 10.10. But I think sometimes we need to go back and reflect as to why we would live that kind of life. To fall back in love with the Lord so that we realize that there really is no other way to live but in the center of his will, in full obedience and surrender, and to love him with all that we have. So that's what we're going to do for the next few moments. But we're going to look at some of his other creations and see how they do it. All the while, we're going to remember how different we are because we are created in his image. What love he has for us because he sent his son. What amazing love and gift that Jesus gave us by giving himself. So as we begin to walk through some things, let's talk about the sunrise. Every morning, the sun will rise in the east until one day he says no more. That same sun will make its little journey across the sky and be tucked away. And the moon will reflect its light. So when we think of sunrise and sunset, we see in that very picture that there's a journey. That we rise with the light. We cross this world with the light. And our light reflects on the moon, and the moon shines because of the reflection of the sun. And we as Christians, the light we have isn't our own. It's the light of Jesus in us. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus is the light of the world, and we are his children, and he places his light in us. He tells us in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, that we're the light of the world, and that we should not hide our our light, but we should put it on a candlestick for all to see, and that we should let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. In the very simple process that we have all seen countless times, many of us so many times that we don't even acknowledge it, but we watch the sun rise and we watch the sun set and we see the moon rise. And when we see the moon come up, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is reflecting the light of the sun. 
We as Christians, people should be able to look at us and say, the light of Jesus is reflecting in them. They should know without a shadow of a doubt that our lives have been turned around because of the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus and that his light is the goodness they see and the righteousness we possess. And so in the very looking at a sunrise and a sunset, we are reminded of how we're to live. We're to live as a reflection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As I was speaking about a little bit earlier about the winds and the waves, in Matthew chapter 8, verses 26 through 27, he says, And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled and said, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Water is the most powerful force on earth. It destroys cities, it destroys homes, it destroys land. It is almost impossible to contain when it is on the move. Yet, the voice of Jesus will put it in its place. In this particular account in Matthew chapter 8, they're on, they're on the water. A storm arises. Jesus is asleep. They're freaked out. They were right there with Jesus, so they go to Jesus and they wake him up. And when Jesus speaks, it says there was a great calm. There's so much to be learned from that event in Matthew chapter 8. One thing that we see for sure is that in the presence of Jesus, help is already there. The next thing we see is that when Jesus is with us, we should have faith that he's going to take care of us. And still yet what we see is the wind will obey the voice of the Lord and the waves will obey the voice of the Lord. They don't go out on their own, and they don't simply decide that they know best. When he says go, they go. When he says stop, they stop. When he says rise, they rise. And when he says lower, they lower. They don't insert their opinion. They don't do things in their own way. They simply obey. But perhaps... One you're not as familiar with is how the eagle behaves. When a storm comes, the eagle raises above the storm. The eagle doesn't try to go through the storm. The eagle doesn't try to fight the storm. The eagle doesn't even complain about the storm. He simply lifts himself above the storm. So when the eagle sees the storm approaching, it sets its wings so that the wind will pick it up and lift it above the storm. We as Christians need to employ our faith and raise ourselves above the storms of life and to rest ourselves 
in the presence of God's love and peace. But when we see a storm rising, sometimes we pull a little bit of fuel on that fire and we make the storm even worse. Other times we shrink back and we forget to tell the devil about how big our God is, but we keep telling them about how big our storm is. See, the eagle doesn't mess with the storm. The eagle simply rises above it and places itself in the place of peace and rest. And we as Christians, through faith, and the Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, and you must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The eagle goes to the place of rest, rides out the storm, and when everything is okay, gets back to the level he was before. As Christians, we need to employ our faith to such a degree that we know that in God's presence, there is peace and there is joy. Regardless of what the circumstances are, we are completely trusting him as we're told in Proverbs 4, 5 through 7, which says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. The eagle rises above the storm and finds his place of rest. So he's not beaten by the storm or wearied by the storm. He just rests during the storm. If you and I would do that in the storms of life that come our way, we wouldn't be so wearied, so harried, so disheveled. But to do that, we have to believe in God, and we have to fully trust in him, and we have to be willing to let whatever happens, what our eyes can see, be okay, because what our eyes see and what our heart knows may be two different things. Our eyes may see disaster. Our eyes may see trouble. Our eyes may see a problem, but our heart knows that we are resting in the arms of an almighty God who loves for us and cares for us and who will take care of us. We need to rest in the arms of God in the midst of the storm. But perhaps my favorite lesson from nature that I learned is how the shark decides to live. It's one of the most sought-after aquarium fish there is. It's majestic and it's powerful. So from the standpoint of its beauty, it's easy to see why so many people would want a shark in their aquarium. But the natural question is, what about their size? These majestic creatures can grow beyond eight feet. So how could you ever keep one in an aquarium? The answer lies in how the shark responds to its environment. A shark only grows to the length that its environment will support. So the shark shows us that our environment has a very strong impact on our growth and how we live our lives. 
And this is how it is with Christians. If you surround yourself with ungodly people and you partake in ungodly habits, you're not going to grow to be a strong, vibrant Christian. You're not going to reach your full potential in Christ because you'll be stunted. You'll have a witness that is weak. You'll have a prayer life that is either non-existent or it's weak. But if you choose to surround yourself with people who know the word, who love the Lord, who are committed to his service, who are committed to helping you know him the very best that you can, if you surround yourself with people who are careful to follow God's commandments, including his commandment to study the word that we're found in 2 Timothy 2.15, which says, to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. See, that environment is one that praises God, that worships God, that acknowledges God, that gets to know God's character, that cares about what God thinks, that hears God's voice and is willing to obey God's voice, who understands the promises of God, who is trying to strive to be holy as he was holy. These are the people that you need to have around you so that your growth isn't stunted. And in fact, it's accelerated and you become all that you can be in Christ Jesus and you reach your absolute full potential because your environment is one that is focused and centered on God. Your home is a place of a holy sanctuary. Your life is filled with his presence. You have a full relationship with Jesus Christ. You have an understanding of who he is and what he's asking. You are diligently desiring to be in the center of his will. You want to be who God created you to be so that you can be all that you can be, so that you can be a bright light in this world, so that you can be a strong witness to others, so that you can live the abundant life that he promises. You want to be the child of God that God intends you to be. And the only way that you can do that is to have an environment that fosters it, that includes what you do. That includes what you don't do. And that fully includes who you do it with. See, that kind of life will yield the fruits of the Spirit we hear about in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Where he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperaments. That's what is created and maintained and thriving in the life of a believer who lives in an environment that is sold out to Jesus. And if you really still need some convincing as to why anyone would want to have friends who know the Lord, I submit to you, James 5, 16, where it says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You want praying friends who can help you. You want accountability buddies who keep you in line. But perhaps the best illustration of this can be found in Mark chapter 2, 1 through 5, which reads as this, 
And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Sometimes your faith may be weak, but surround yourself with people whose isn't. You want friends who love you enough to put you in front of Jesus. You want friends who love you enough to assist you when you can't do it yourself. You want an environment where the people around you are focused and centered on the Lord. You want to make sure that you and those around you are pursuing a life that is a billboard for Mark 12, 30 that says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. You want your friends, your family, those with whom you confide, those that you ask advice from, you want them to be sold out to Jesus, to live obedient lives to his word, to follow his commandments. As God's most precious creation, we must learn to praise him as nature praises him. We must learn to obey him so naturally that we do it so consistently and so truly as his other creations do. And we have to be smart enough to learn the lessons from his creation, such as the eagle, the shark, the sunsets, the sunrises, the winds and the waves, to help us live a fruitful and peaceful life in Jesus. The lessons we need to learn to live by are the lessons that point us to Jesus and help us to be holy. Remember you are loved. Jesus loves you. Thank you for joining us in today's podcast. You can visit the show notes for quotes from today's podcast and scripture references. We pray today has been a blessing and we encourage you to reach out to us through our app, our website, or our Facebook page. You can find our app by searching for Woman at the Well Ministries in your app store or through our website at watwm.org. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash watwm. If you visit our website, you'll be able to subscribe to Bible Bits, a daily devotion written by Kim and delivered Monday through Friday by text message. Woman at the Well Ministries is a nonprofit organization dedicated to serving our Heavenly Father. And it is through your loving and generous support that our ministry continues to bless others. To learn how to partner with Woman at the Well Ministries, please visit our website. Thank you to the gospel group Fudge Creek for letting us use their hit song, Happy Girl. We greatly appreciate your prayers. We are praying daily for our listeners.
Remember that God loves you. You are loved. Happy girl.